The Late Night Logic Podcast. They're running the whole show. <laughs> With Sean Keenan. Yes, so I'm Sean Keenan and welcome to Series 2 of my podcast. And uh, I'm out the f- back in the pool uh, having a couple of drinks. My mate Ethan has just... Uh, left, he, we, we just did the hill together and we had a very interesting discussion and that's what I thought I would talk about in this uh, season two, episode one. Yes, I'm back, it's been a month and uh, yeah, uh, what can I say? There's not really that much to add new, except of course the introduction, which I actually haven't added in yet, so it actually just sounds like normal. But the difference is I'm out the back in the pool drinking wine and having a good time. Oh, I'm having a good time. And um, yeah, so for my built-in audience, they'll be all happy. Oh, Sean's back. Just listen to him babble on, having a good time. I've had a couple of wines. I'm feeling good. I wanted to be a little bit more professional, but um, in series two. But the difference is, uh, well, the the thing is that, uh, well, I couldn't be bothered. And in the end, who cares? But we do have that cool intro now, and um, maybe they'll make series two talking about more in-depth topics, about politics, about religion, about movies, and um, and maybe do it in a few different locations. Like, it's good hopping in the pool. Listen, listen, can you hear the... Okay, well, could you hear the water? Yeah, all over the phone. So, yeah. Uh, welcome to Series 2. I am Sean Keenan. This is the Late Night Logic Podcast. And in tonight's episode, I wanted to talk about two things. Uh, where my life is headed from this point, and also about what me and Ethan were talking about as we went up the hill. Now, uh, yeah, as you get older, you do inevitably get a little bit more intellectual. You start liking things that are a little bit more in-depth, and you realise certain things, and and then you get older and you assume that everyone else knows it, but they haven't. They're still young idiots. So this is the problem for me listening to Triple J, is that when I'm listening to it, the things that they talk about just aren't interesting. So I'm still halfway in between. Like, I'll listen to Triple J and to try and get into the music, and they'll talk about, oh, what's the what's the biggest dog act you've ever done? Give us a call. And it's like, oh, I really don't care about that. I'm much more interested in... Um, uh, well, anything actually, but specifically uh, politics because there's an election coming up um, at, at the time of recording. And uh, I was talking to Ransom at work and uh, Ryan at work, and they both gave the same answer. And it's fine. I mean, that's that's where they're at in life. But um, elections are actually quite important. With that said. <laughs> um, <laughs> I watched a, a documentary called Hypernormalization, or at least a little bit of it. Ethan showed me this, and it was showing that politics uh, actually isn't as influential as you might think. By watching that, you realise that the power has gone to other people. But with that said, the rhetoric of the day can be changed by Liberal and Labour. It does really annoy me when people say, it doesn't matter who you vote for. Mate, it very much just does. Look, just watch Friendly Geordies. Watch Friendly Geordies and you'll understand where it comes from. People will talk about... Uh, uh, sorry, Jade's just in the kitchen. I, I don't want him to hear me talking. I don't want him to come out and be on this. <laughs> I'll try not to piss in the pool. I'll, I'll go out and take a piss. Um, 
Uh, what was I talking about? Hypernormalization. Uh, yeah, it does matter where your vote goes. Yeah, of course it does. Um, and the rhetoric sort of becomes, I mean, people talk about left and right wing. I think uh, when you take a, a certain stance on something, you know, you want to take a, an accurate stance. Well, that inevitably falls under one of those wings. So this is why, you know, left-wing politics has a pro-science stance. A pro-science stance just happens to be left-wing because it's sort of sort of a, a little bit anti-religion. I mean, we want to be accepting, but, uh, you know, here he comes. He's coming out. I'm just going to go quiet for a bit. He's walking down the stairs. He's going to ask me a question. Oh, no. Seems to be going out to his car. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, the point, the reason why I asked Ransom and uh, Ryan that question is just to see where they, where do young people stand? Because generally speaking, people often think of young people as being liberal or labour, but, um, uh, uh, sorry, as being, you know, a little bit more left-wing, they're a bit more ideological idealistic and um you know it's a small sample size but they clearly didn't care and it does really make me want to bang on the points uh mate this is really showing my um where i fall on the on the political spectrum but i'm quite happy to say that i'm center left i'm quite happy to say that because i'm a reasonable guy and uh but, but I'm, I'm going to share you a story which, which shows you, you know, it's just to get to the truth, basically. What I'm really interested in is truth. This is why I'm not religious. I'm not specifically anti-religious, but uh, the good thing about Australia is because we weren't brought up really that religious, that we can, um, we sort of have a better idea, like we sort of see it as nonsense. I remember when I was a kid, there used to be a show on the ABC called Quantum and... Uh, they, uh, you know, I was fascinated by science and it was contradicted by a lot of the uh, scripture that I learnt in school. And you sort of, how, how do you reconcile the two? He's coming back. I've got to be quiet. Oh, no, he's coming hey, back. Did you see that letter? No, nah, mate, he's gone home. Oh, is he? Yeah. Wait, he's, are you on the phone? Uh, yeah. Well, not really. I'm recording a podcast. Oh, sorry, buddy. Nah, mate, you're all good. Did you see that letter from that Yeah, I know. Mate, have a look. He burnt the letter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, ridiculous. It was. It seemed to be well written. So, oh, hang on, what's going on here? And then it turns into that Bible shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a letter, and um, well, the letter was just in the post, and uh, it was talking about the the problems in the world today. And then it goes into a Bible thing. It's basically a, it was like a recruiting thing. Um, and oh, mate, how perfect that he brought that up straight away. Um, the, the question that we asked ourselves as kids, I'm sure, is like, there's many religions in the world, which one is right? Well, that, that's your first clue to it being nonsense. It's like, well, how can they all be true? Oh, this one's the one true, mate, mate. Isn't it likely that that's not the way? I mean, once you discover science, this is the reason why I love the movie Bad Boy Bubby. Oh, mate, there's so much to go into. Suddenly I've got stacks to talk about. Ugh. Guys, watch the movie Bad Boy Bubby. There's a, there's a key scene later on in the movie. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'll have to talk about it another time. There's, there's a lot to discuss there. It's, it's a, it sort of just shows why religion is um, not entirely positive on society. Although maybe I will go into it because I've forgotten what I'm talking about now. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, young people usually go for uh, the progressive side and some, you know, they're not politically active. And that's fine. I mean, uh, you know, both sides can be pretty poor, although one's a lot worse than the other. But it's just interesting. Oh, yeah, I was talking about truth. Yeah, mate, I'm just interested in truth. Like, what's the facts? You know, like, which is it? Is it going to be this, uh, the Christian point of view or is it the scientific point of view? Like, one's got to be wrong, one's got to be right or close to it. Um, and I think plenty of people, at least listening to this, would probably say that, well, it does sound like complete nonsense. So there's your start. Okay, so let's, what else, what else is truth? Um, and it's interesting that you can be very much suckered into the other side. I was, you know, when I was growing up, John Howard was prime minister and I quite liked him because my dad quite liked him. But um, it was only after he left power that I looked him up a little bit more and suddenly realised what Howard was. And I, I took a, a different stance. Um, but as I, you know, scroll through my videos on YouTube and whatever, um, I came across a video where John Howard was talking to an American. And, you know, I, I always enjoy it when uh, an American uh, show is interested in talking to an Australian. And so uh, I watched that and I suddenly, I saw it. I saw it full ball. This is why people are suckered in. I, I suddenly found myself liking John Howard. I was thinking, this guy has some sensible ideas um, and he talks well. He, he knows how to um, explain himself. He doesn't get um, flustered. And then I realised, hang on, like halfway through the video, I thought, wait a tick, Sean, don't forget, you've taken a complete opposite view of this. I thought, exactly, mate, if you don't know what you're talking about, then how the fuck are you supposed to, you know, criticise? Like, how could I criticise John Howard and what he was talking about there? Like, I don't know anything about it. This is, this is the point I'm making. We're all dumb. Like, I like to think of myself as some intellectual, someone who's in, intelligent, but I'm not really. I've, I've just got a grasp on it. I, I know that I know enough to look into certain things. Like, there's no need to get panicked about reading something on Facebook, mate. We live in the information age. If you want to check it out, just type it in on Google and make your own opinions of it. Um, I just got suddenly interested in truth. What's the truth on everything? Uh, there's an excellent site called Rational Wiki. And anything that I find oh, a little bit dubious, mate, type it into Rational Wiki. Bang. There's your answer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do want to be a bit careful because um, I'm a little bit quiet on these things usually. And, and even though this isn't a huge platform, um, you know, there's people I like and they take opposing views. There's one person I'm thinking about in particular whom I really enjoy their company, but they've said some contrasting things like they they follow this person and but they they live this lifestyle it's like well you know that's just someone who hasn't connected the dots i mean they're a great person but when they're looking at uh the bigger picture how can you su support this guy but you also live this lifestyle i mean that, that's totally contradictory and look matt i'm not gonna lie i'm only just starting to get a hold of this because i I'm going to give you a, an excellent story about how you can go down a rabbit hole and suddenly you, I mean, you, you're watching vile clips. Okay, so I'm specifically talking about someone called Stefan Molyneux and Paul Joseph Watson. And both of them are, mate, they're raving lunatics. And yet 
you can see how people would fall down the rabbit hole. Mate, I'm just gonna have a quick drink here. Take a quick piss. I really should pause this, but I don't know how to. So, sorry guys, we're just gonna have to listen to me take a leak out of the pool over here. Some diverting music. Let's play some elevator music. Okay, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> you don't want to hear this. Anyway, uh, I'll keep talking about what I was saying. So, um, yeah. Um, so it, it's easy to fall down the rabbit hole. So one way to fall down the rabbit hole is to... Uh, so one, th one thing that we love in our culture is, is putting people down. People who sound like raving idiots, we love pushing them down. So it's a lot of fun watching a video on SJWs, that's so social justice warriors. These woke people who are, you know, they're way over the top, they're loud in your face, and it's great watching a video that takes them down. Uh, it's good fun, look, and I enjoy it because really, mate, I'm a dumb shit. I like watching Gordon Ramsay videos and, uh, and Judge Judy videos in my downtime, you know? I just like watching some cheap thrills sometimes. And uh, one of them was watching SJWs being taken down. So I watched a few of those. Now, you watch a bit of that, and eventually, in your recommended feed, will come up other things like that. And, mate, I just wanted to tell you that this is the rabbit hole down to the alt-right. Now, the alt-right is... Mate, it's it's lunacy. Uh, you know, some people who are listening to this wouldn't have a clue what that is. It's it's madness, and I don't really look it up. I, I couldn't be bothered going into it. Mate, mate, it's my podcast. I can talk about what I want. But it's it's it is probably important to know that the the alt right are uh, it's craziness. Uh, one of the fringe ideas that they had was that a couple of a little while ago was that. Um, uh, JFK Jr. was going to come back from the dead, died in 1999, and he was going to run for president or, or, or reinstate Trump back into the presidency. I mean, it's, it's pure lunacy. And some of the videos that Ethan shows me, y you really see just how crazy America is, some of these views that I had. Sure, it's a bit fringe, but there is a lot of people thinking this. I mean... Mate, look how many people voted for Trump. But we'll get to Trump at another point. So I found this guy called Stefan Molyneux. And I watched a few of his videos. Now, I'm not religious, so anyone, any video talking about religion is fun for me to watch when they're taking down religion or just, just spruiking truth. So I was watching this guy, Stefan Molyneux, having a good time. Uh, I watched a fair bit of it. It's bizarre. I remember it was 2016 roughly 2015 maybe and uh you know i was listening to him, i thought you know this is good i mean it's pretty complex stuff and um it's good because i'll learn a fair bit from watching this kind of stuff and so um i watched it for a fair while i watched a lot of it quite a number of videos i was getting chummy with him i, I was writing that he looked like john malkovich down in the comments <laughs> you know having a laugh and then he started talking about right-winged things and I thought well to me this is a, a a bit of a like a red flag as soon as they talk about certain things it's like oh no that's that's ridiculous that's 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 just not right that's not true and he was slowly but surely um sympathizing with Donald Trump and um I gotta say 
I was starting to get a little bit concerned. Now, mate, looking back, like, so now, mate, it's, it's well-known things. He's been banned from Twitter. He's been banned from YouTube. You look up his Wikipedia page. It says he's a right, right-wing supremacist. Um, he's a lunatic. <laughs> but this is the point. People like this, they're not necessarily lunatics. They are, but you can't tell it straight away. I really recommend you watch a movie called Guess Who's Back. And this, I, I was, I mean, I enjoyed it just for the, you know, for the entertainment factor. But now I see it for what it really is. So the premise of the movie Guess Who's Back is that Adolf Hitler is, uh, well, I can't remember, but he's somehow transported through to modern times, 2014. Uh, I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. Um, and he comes back and everyone says, God, you look just like the Fuhrer. And it's a bit, it's a bit of a black comedy. It's a comedy. Um, but it's interesting because all Hitler wants... I mean, he never admits that he's anything else. I mean, he pretends that he is Hitler, but he's not pretending because he actually is. And everyone just thinks it's a joke. Um, and slowly but surely, he, he talks to people and he... He says things that people agree with, and that's how they get to power. And by the end of the movie, he's at a chance where he could actually, you know, get get, get on a proper platform. And I didn't think of it at the time, but now I suddenly realise that's, that's how it happens. But an evil person is not really evil, are they? I mean, not... If you're blatantly evil, people will just dismiss it or whatever, but, like, it's a slow process... You just say right then you, you you play into nationalism like Hitler did in that movie, and suddenly it's like oh that's how it would happen exactly, and that's how Hitler would have gotten into power in the 30s as well. He would have been a nice guy. Well, you know, he would have he would have well for lack of a better way he would have played into what Trump's doing sort of thing, uh, and you slowly get people on your side. I mean you're not going to do it if you don't have popularity. You've got to be popular. And you play into people's fears and desires, and bang, that's how you do it. So, you know, that movie was a cautionary tale. Um, and I realised, I mean, not long afterwards, I looked at Stephen Molyneux and I realised he was a raving lunatic. And uh, just like the John Howard interview, you know, you can, you can see, you, you can think that they're fine when really they're anything but... Now, you know, that goes against everything that my dad would say or whatever. Um, and I love my dad, but I do, I, I do have a few uh, differences of opinion politically. I, I align myself more with my grandfather. And I didn't realise this, so here's a little bit of a story about myself. Where, where is the lighter? Ethan, you, you haven't stolen that, you mate. Sorry, guys, I'm going to get, get out and get the goddamn lighter. Uh, so a little bit of background of me. I... Um, so in Broken Hill, where I grew up, I um, I uh, can't find the lighter. God's sake! I grew up in Broken Hill, and um, in. Um, In Broken Hill, my, um, I think that I'm kind of famous. I'm, I'm actually just going to pause this and start it again. I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. And so, um, yeah, I'm back. 
um, and uh, my f- so I grew up with a thought. I thought I had a uh, real famous grandfather in Broken Hill. He had a lookout named after him called the Joe Keenan Lookout, and uh, you know I, I never understood what he was. Like, is he a uh, like was he prime minister or something like that? Well, turns out it's just local fame. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's pretty significant to have a lookout named after you. That's where all the you know, the teens would go to hook up, go up to the Joe Keenan lookout and we'll hook up. Um, what he actually was, was it, was, it was sure, it was local celebrity or local fame or, or, you know. But he was into politics in a sense, mate. He was a union leader, very powerful union leader in Broken Hill. Um, and uh, so... You know, to put it in ridiculous terms, he wasn't a hippie because he was from a different era, but he did have left-leaning views. And, um, you know, as, as time went on and I got a little bit more interested in science and the way things are, um, just truth, I, I suddenly found myself identifying with my grandfather a little bit more. So, Joe Keenan lookout, Joe Keenan. Uh, I didn't know a lot about him. There's, there's actually nothing on about him online. So Dad sent me up some documents and I, I learnt a little bit and I, I suddenly became a little bit more, um, you know, just aware about, wow, this is how you can... This is where society's at. This is why our lives are the way they are. You know why you can't quit your job? Because if you go on the dole, you've got to wait 12 weeks. Um... Uh, why uh, do we get paid maternal leave? Well, that was because of Gough Whitlam in the mid-70s. I remember growing up, Dad would tell me about Gough Whitlam being a ridiculous Prime Minister, and there's a lot of people on the conservative right who say the same thing, and I see him as a flawed character, a very interesting, flawed character, a cult figure, in a sense. Um, you can say what you want about Whitlam in the 70s, but, mate, that was, you know... I, you know, I feel like I'm talking... Certainly the people I'm talking to listening to this would see this as a boring sort of topic. So I sort of halfway feel between talking seriously and talking about sensationalism. So if I'm trying to sensationalise it to make it a little bit more interesting, think about a really boring Prime Minister for a really long period of time and Australia's just, you know, in in this really boring state for, for decades. And then suddenly in the 70s, the 60s hit. Really, in 1972, the the cultural upheaval of the 60s finally caught up. And Gough Whitlam was elected into power and he completely radicalised the system. Now, a number of those things have gone now. Free college tuition, mate, we've got to pay a lot now. But back then, it was it, he made it free. There were so many things that he introduced. It was, it was bulk. It was huge. Um, but he did preside over a time uh, which was economically weak. The 70s were uh, a, a bad time economically. And so what happened was uh, the country, (laughs) he wasn't a good uh, manager when it comes to money. But with that said, um, you know, this was the big thing that I suddenly realised. Mate, he had the Senate blocked to him by Malcolm Fraser. I mean, the Liberal government didn't want to let Labour, they'd been in for 23 years uh, and they didn't want to let Labour in for even a couple um, so they blocked the Senate and there was nothing that Whitlam could do. The, the country came to a standstill. Nothing could get done. And Australia was bleeding money. No, no bills could pass. And so that's when John Kerr famously sacked him. 
And, uh, you know, this is the thing about the public. They're dumb as dog shit. Um, now, you, you, we, ha- we had a chance to punish the Malcolm Fraser government and John Kerr. And instead, Malcolm Fraser won in an absolute landslide. So this is the reason why I don't really like listening to the, um, you know, stories about the Whitlam dismissal. Because it was a, a tragedy, sure. But it's like the public just were like, nah, let's go with the the establishment here. Yep, we're, we're going to vote in the opposition. The Labor government, the Hawke-Keating years, 83 to 96, um, were, I mean, we're st- I mean, they went through recessions. I mean, it was the last period of true recessions. After the, the early 90s, Australia has gone on to decades of continuous economic growth, um, only hampered by the coronavirus in, you know, this, this start of this decade. Um, that's, that's years of growth. And that happened because of the Hawke-Keating reforms. I remember my dad said he hated Keating. And he said, you know, Keating famously said it was the recession that we had to have. That's, that's what Keating's, you know, unfortunately, uh, not necessarily overly remembered for, like not the thing, but that's one of the things that always comes up, the recession we had to have. There was a, a musical on Paul Keating and, uh, Underneath it, the tagline was the musical we had to have, you know. Um, and because of Keating, oh, man, he was a vicious guy, mate. He was a great, uh, articulate man who could destroy the opposition. Listening to his insults is a privilege. And he had a big idea. He wanted to just change Australia. Um, the way I look at it now, so Dad said, you know, that's the mate. It was two thousand one, whatever. And he said, mate, he's the reason why you don't have a new computer. And I remember looking at the magazine cover and looking at him with disdain and looking at him thinking, you're the reason why I don't have my new computer. Mate, now that I look back on it, I see exactly what was going on. It's too complex for me to go into, and I'm sure my listeners don't really want to hear this. Suffice to say, I'll just put it in broad terms. The recession that we had to have, yeah, kind of. It shouldn't have been quite so harsh, but, you know, these things happen. Um, And after that, things were set right and we've had 20 plus years of, 30 years, whatever, of continuous economic growth um, squandered by Howard and the mining boom in the 90, uh, in the the 20, the early 20th century, 21st century. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I was just looking into truth. I just wanted to see what are the facts, how, you know, Let's look at things the way they are. And several of the things that my dad would say when he was looking into uh, certain journalists and whatever. And so I'd look up these journalists and you could see where their credibility is coming from. It's like, oh. Okay, so this gets me on to the next big issue. Um, Look, I love my dad and he's right on a lot of things. And I agree with him on virtually everything. But there is some things that you've just got to take a... um, you just got to be a bit more malleable. So here's an example. Um, I don't know how interesting this is. This is really boring stuff. So in the AFL, look, Ransom, I know you're the stunt losing interest. The AFL, but mate, stick with me. Um, it's virtually just like the NRL. The AFL, so I grew up liking the Victorian clubs because it was originally the VFL, the Victorian Football League, but it was the biggest league in Australia. So everyone, you know... Uh, west of the Barassi line watched AFL. The Barassi line is an imaginary line that goes through from Darwin through Canberra very, very roughly, okay? Um, and either side of that line, you either like NRL or you like um, AFL. 
And uh, so everyone in Adelaide, Perth, Melbourne, Darwin, they all like AFL. But everyone north of that line, east of that line, um, Sydney, Brisbane, they all like NRL. So it was bizarre coming from, you know, Broken Hill and you'd go up to Queensland for holidays and the sport they spoke about was rugby. It's like, oh, where's the footy? Well, no, mate, they like rugby up here. It wasn't until years later that I, I discovered the, the, the Barassi line and um, it was, uh, I was like, oh, okay, so that's how it all goes. Um, anyway, so um, Dad liked the Victorian club. So to give you an idea, this would be like someone, an old-fashioned person liking only the Sydney clubs, hating Canberra, hating Brisbane. Um, and, I mean, you can, you can look at it from a few different standpoints. Uh, so Dad doesn't like the interstate clubs. Neither do I. I it's a flat-out fact. I don't like them. I like tradition. But liking tradition is, uh, you know, it's part one in the book of fascism look mate it's too much to go into right now but if you solely like tradition i mean that's a very it's a very right-wing rhetoric so i thought okay well let's look into this a bit better let's let's have a bit more of an open mind so in the 80 uh, the 70s um payments just grew i mean it i think this is just an inevitable thing dad would say something like uh, you know they, they've done it for a hundred years mate and they didn't have these problems why can't they just leave the things the way that they are well mate progress happens uh television rights came into it um things just happened and they wanted to expand the territory you could say let's just stay in melbourne i'm sure someone would be able to tell me why that wasn't well i think i actually watched a documentary and it said it wasn't viable the the competition was going to collapse so they added some other teams into there they got sydney they got west coast adelaide whatever they all brought them into the competition and look I don't like a lot of these clubs because I'm a traditionalist at heart. But the more I look at it, the more ridiculous my argument sort of becomes. It's like, well, um, why do you hate them? Well, because I don't like their colours and I don't like the fact that, you know, I want to keep the tradition going. Look, mate, I'm all for that. For that. But you do have to accept new ideas. So whilst I'll never like Sydney, I do accept... The AFL as it is. Um, you know, I remember... Like, I don't like Greater Western Sydney and I don't like Sydney. But there was a game that was played between them last year and I was watching I thought, this is a great game. And I, I would think that my dad would watch something like that and he's just he, he would make the argument of, yeah, they're just never a good game. They're never a good game, are they? I thought, well, what makes it different? Just the Guernseys? The club? I mean, there's still players out there. I mean, it wouldn't matter if they're playing for these clubs or another club. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm never going to enjoy Fremantle versus uh, GWS. I I wouldn't enjoy a game like that. But, you know, these things happen. Keep going. Hey? Keep going. I'm going to listen. Oh, no, mate, I don't feel comfortable when someone else is listening. (laughs) Oh, when he's staring you. Yeah. I'll uh, log in later and listen. Yeah, right, mate. Oh, but I can't listen now. No, mate. So um, the rhetoric that I'm making here is that you do have to move on with life and you've got to get on with things. Uh, you know, facts are facts. Um, me and Brody hate India. And I thought, why do I hate India so much? Because they're India. I mean, that's just a ridiculous notion. I mean, I'm never going you know, to like India. I'm a passionate Australian supporter when it comes to cricket. This is the cricket, Australia versus India I'm talking about here. But... Um, you know, I started looking at a few players and I suddenly realised, you know what, I only dislike this player purely because he's from India. That's it. That's the only thing. 
an understanding suddenly hit me. I thought, you know, this is just racism, mate. You're just not liking them because they're not Australian. It's, uh, I mean, you could make the argument, no, 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 it's just India. But, you know, mate, that's how it creeps in sort of thing. Uh, like, we're talking about genuinely hating these players. I mean, I hate the Indians. It's like, that's not a very positive look, is it? So I sort of loosened my stance and became a little bit more uh, open to the ideas. And this is what I was talking about in last season when I was talking about watching, you know, newer movies that are coming out. I'm, I'm very anti the MCU. I, I like artistic movies. I like good movies. I don't like these big Hollywood blockbusters. I never have. Um, but that's not to say that they can't. I mean, we're in the new world, mate. I mean, either perish or die. I mean, you can stick up for your defences and, and like what you like, but um, you, you, you should see some virtue in it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm just talking about truth here. So um, I'm saying that my father's uh, stronghold on loving the Victorian clubs in, in the AFL is uh, it's, it doesn't hold up, you know? I mean, you can like the Victorian clubs, as I do, and I very much do, but I feel just like letting go now and just, why hate so much? Why not just like things? It does get a little bit more complicated because, um, you know, the night grand final that they had for the last two years, I mean, the AFL has been desperate to get this in because they get better viewing figures. And I've got to admit, I both times the night grand final has suited me because um, I finished work late and I could watch the whole game. Um, but the day grand final, there's a, there's a particular feeling, there's a mood that's captured during the day. And, you know, things like that I'm quite happy to go with. Um, you know, I, I'll always advocate for a day grand final. But when it comes, push comes to shove, it's just what you like. Hey, I'm not a huge fan of 2020 cricket, but that's just me. I'll, I'll, I really do just have to accept the way this is how the generations are going to go forward and whatever. Um, but, it, you know, that's just a microcosm of, of the bigger issues of, of, of trying to loosen up to certain things. So I didn't like Paul Keating because Dad didn't like him, and then I looked into it more. Mate, I think he's the best Prime Minister Australia's ever had. Really, I, I honestly believe that. So that's where um, that's where we can go, and that's pretty much my thoughts on that. Just to say that I'm a little bit left, um, and I wish someone else was here to like give me some arguments. Say, well, what about this and what about that? But um, I can only just say what I'm thinking. Yeah, man, I'm just I'm into science. I'm just about truth. That's that's it. It's it really just comes down to what are the facts. If this is the fact, then that's the way it goes. Okay. Um, and there's some things... The, the problem with looking into truth is that um, it can sometimes go hard against your, what you've always liked and you'd have to change your entire outlook on things. Um, because I've never been peer pressured, because I've never had a lot of friends, because I'm a little bit of a loner, um, I've been able to sort of change my mind on certain things. And there's one issue that I'm going to bring up that has to be addressed... And that's veganism. And there's just no, there's no way around it sort of thing. Um, mate, you should go vegan, 100%. 100%. And yet I'm not a vegan and don't intend to be anytime soon. And I have no good argument for it other than my own ideals, which just doesn't hold up. And 
you know, I've, I've looked it up, I've watched certain videos on it, and I know for a fact that veganism is 100% the way to go. I mean, it lowers, lowers carbon emissions, it's better for the climate, uh, there's less cruelty to animals. Any argument that you can put forward to say, ah, oh, well, we're top of the food chain, and that, oh, we kill things anyway because we have to make the crops, so we're going to kill animals that way. Mate, there's arguments against all of that, and they all make sense. It's like, oh, shit. So this is the problem that I had when I was first searching for the truth. It's, it's, there's certain things that come up, and you're like, oh, shit. It's, it's, just, it's similar to the, the AFL. I mean, what, do you think I wanted to go, for, like, accept the interstate clubs being in it? I was passionately, you know, Melbourne clubs. And then I just looked at the truth and I thought, well, you're wrong, Sean. <laughs> you, you, you're just going to have to get on with things. Um, when it comes to the topic of veganism, the reason why it's not that big of a deal for me is because no one else is going to peer pressure me into it. Because everyone else is just going to be, nah, nah, it's easy to do that. So it's not a huge deal for me. Uh, but I guess morally it actually um, has become a bit more of a thing lately. And so, uh, yeah, mate, I'm a huge advocate for veganism, and yet I don't practice it myself and don't intend to anytime soon. Hypocrite much? Yes, but that's the way it is. And I'll always enjoy my KFC. So, yeah, like I said, it's just about truth. And really, uh, the, 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 the big thing about truth is, yeah, it's going to hit you hard, and you're going to realise that you're not perfect, and that... That... Uh, Either you change your ways or accept that you're a hypocrite. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. So, um, yeah, man. Truth. That's all I'm interested in. And so this goes against a couple of my friends that I'm, you know, I'm a bit nervous about them listening to this because they'll be like, well, hang on, I believe in this and I do this. It's like, oh, shit, you listen to me talking about that and say, I was hoping to avoid talking about that all the time, but now you listen to my podcast and listen to it. And there's like 10 people listening to this. <laughs> I'm just embarrassing myself. But I'm enjoying myself too. Having a good time. So that's it. That's what I wanted to talk about. It's really about truth. And um, the thing is, uh, truth, I find, I think, does have a, a certain left-wing bias. Because... Well, take the ABC, for example. Dad would watch the ABC and um, he would um, he say he can't stand listening to it anymore because they're always banging on about the Aboriginals. And then years later go by and you look into it and you think, oh, I get it now. That's why they're always banging on about it. Ah. I mean, you can say what you want about the policies involved, and uh, but, mate, there's a reason why they're talking about it. And, uh, mate, that's where this left-wing bias comes into it. Anyway, there's a few other things I'd like to talk about, but I'd incriminate certain people, and I don't want to go into that. It's not my business. I'm treading lightly here. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's that topic done. Done. At this point... It'd be good to play a song. I'll pop in a song if I can. We'll see what I can do later. Um, but if not, I'm just going to go on. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the song. 
Okay, I don't know what that is because I didn't pick the song. I haven't picked it yet, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> or, if, or if I didn't find a song, I'm just going to keep on talking. Uh, yeah, so the next topic, mate, and this was the big topic. Now, I've talked about it before, probably a bit too many times, but uh, it's about... Um, really what it's about is about... Um, Getting your life into order. I've just got to think about how I'm going to say this. Um, it's about going... It's a, Okay, so you can try and change the world. You can be a raving left-wing person and try and change the world, progressive. Or, you know, you can do the right thing and make the change within yourself and then go forward. So, so um, what I was thinking was about what I'm going to do. So, guys, I saw a play last week, and it's quite good. Uh, it was about, uh, what was it called? It was called Orphans. I saw it at Theatre INQ, and it was quite good. Yes, yes, we're all quite, quite proud. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So, last year, I uh, did an audition. I, I think I've said this, but I'll, I'll go through it again. So I did an audition um, at uh, for Theodore Island. Okay, so okay, so my cousin Amy Horn is in a um, it, she she was in a major production movie called uh, I can't even remember what it was called Peter Rabbit Two something two it was one of those Paddington Two no no it was yeah it was Peter Rabbit Two she had a main cast role in that like she was like the fourth main. Um, animated character in that film. So, and I'm thinking, mate, I'm getting old. I, I, I need to get into some acting. So I thought, okay, let's do Theodore Island Q. Let's get into it. Let's become an actor. Let's do it. And then, um, so, I, so I auditioned and uh, I had like a week to learn my lines and I barely, barely learned it. But they actually said that I was quite good. I was, oh, mate, it was such a compliment. And as I, I think I said before, go go down on my Facebook page. There's a thing that I posted on December the 6th, 2021. Um, it's called the article Acorns. Acorns because, you know, from acorns grows really big oak trees, really tall trees. So it's the, you know, the beginnings. And um, so I, I went in there and I did get rejected. But the letter that's in that article, Acorns, is, you know, it was be- so beautifully written. So I thought... You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to um, do what they say, basically, which was, you know, uh, do all the menial tasks, volunteer at the door, do this and that. Mate, I still haven't emailed them. God, I've got to email back. So I went and saw this play and, fuck, man, it was, it was unbelievable. It was two hours. It was watching a movie. I mean, I was one metre away, virtually, from where they were at at certain times. Um, it was a film. And, uh, you know, at certain points, you know, as the scenes transitioned, you know, the lights would flash and the music would go and they would, you know, every few seconds they would pause for a beat and then they would keep moving again and then pause for a beat and then keep moving. It was like watching an art house film. It was incredible. And I thought, shit, man. You really want to become an actor? Do you, do you think you could learn all those lines? Okay, so here's the thing. People think acting's easy. I think it's just about saying the lines and that's it. Well, 
let's break that down. You've got to learn the lines, so that's not easy in and of itself. I mean, anyone, I guess, could do it. you just got to have the passion and the, the memory for it. But what acting really is, is making a good performance. It's just like in cricket. Look, anyone can bowl. Anyone can bat. Yeah, but can you do it properly? Like, can you bowl and take a wicket? Can you bat and make any runs? Likewise, an actor can put in a shit performance and, uh, you know, you know, people can defend actors and say, oh, I, I believe that performance. Mate, go and see a proper actor act and say, oh, okay, that's what good acting is. When you see good acting, it actually really moves you. It's really fucking awesome. It's a, it's a real big thing. Actually, I'll just digress for a little piece here. Um, Paul Keating, uh, Australian Prime Minister, 1991 to 1996. Um, he, I remember my dad was saying, oh, yeah, mate, he'd lost touch with the Australian people. He was interested in French clocks. I was watching an interview with him where he spoke and he was saying, oh, you see, people will take that out of context. Yeah, I'm interested in the arts. So they happen to catch... When you're interested in the arts, you're just going to... You know, you'll buy certain artistic things. And one time I bought a French clock, and that's what they always bang on about. The arts, let me make this clear, he said. The arts, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, when we hear a great piece of music, and he's talking high art music, we're talking about Beethoven or whatever. But even even listening to, say, uh, you know, Break in the Weather by Jer- Jenny Morris, 1991, um, you know, when I hear that, you can be taken away, you can be swept away, you can get goosebumps, you can feel amazing about it. Art, does, that, that's art, mate. that's art. That's, that, is, um, that is a piece of art making you feel good. Why do we listen to music? Of course, because we feel good about it. Now, I don't really like the classics, sure, the classical music, but uh, if you did like it, it does make me wonder how how much it could influence you. I mean, hearing Mozart or whatever, and Paul Keating would describe listening to it and it would, you know, give you an enormous imagination. You'd feel inspired. And that's what made him a great leader. Or partly what made him a great leader. I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense suddenly. But I've got to, I've got to remember what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. I've got no one to talk to here. So what was I talking about? Um, so that's the arts for you. And I was talking about... Arts and I went to the theatre and it was good and I enjoyed. Oh yeah, just just good acting. Yeah, mate. Um, this is why good acting is great. So this is the reason why I don't like the Marvel movies. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I mean, you got Robert Downey Jr. in there, who's a great actor. Um, but acting is not the uh, the main focus in those movies, is it? I mean, you, you're watching for the grand spectacle, and there can be emotions in there, but they're a little bit. I mean, watch a movie like Barton Fink. That that will oh, there's confusing. There's different emotions you haven't felt before. That's why I like watching these movies. These movies will make you think. They'll make you feel different things. It's it becomes like a drug. It's like, geez, I didn't know a movie could do that or make you feel like that. That's why I like good movies. That's the reason why I watch those kind of movies and skip anything to do with Marvel. So hopefully you'll understand that. Now, that's not to say that there aren't... Uh, that they don't do those kind of things. I've, I've watched... I watched, I watched for Ragnarok, and it was a certainly watchable film, and there's a bit of humour in there. I mean, you, you watch these things in there, you, you know, they, they can be okay. But it's just like, to put it in a blunt, awful way, <laughs> it's just like listening to John Howard 
uh, talking and you think, oh, John Howard, he sounds like he's good. Mate, he's not. <laughs> so anyway, so I watched, uh, I watched the play. It was good. And he's a Cisco. And he is active in the community. So I watched the play and uh, it was good. And I walked out. Mate, oh, to be honest with you. So I'm 100% on, 100% on the spectrum. I, um, I, uh, I am uh, Asperger's. Just a little bit. Not, not a lot, but just a little bit. <laughs> it's weird when you finally discover these things. Like, this was seriously a bizarre thing that I finally found out. Ethan was joking around. He said, mate, I think you're a bit Asperger's. And he made a few jokes about it. And I thought, you know what? I should look into this. So I did, and there's there's a number of there's a number of little factors that um, uh, are like little giveaways. I mean, I was at work the other day. They're doing works out the back, and there was loud noises, and I was like, "Fuck, turn it down!" I thought, "Hang on, wait a tick." When I'm watching YouTube clips, whatever. I actually have the music turned down. I, I don't like loud things. I can turn it. Now here's the thing. You might say, hey, I do the, the exact same thing too, Sean. And this is why it was so hard to diagnose for me because really I'm not that different. I only just barely qualify. I'm only just on the scale. Um, but I did a test. I've done a lot of tests for it online. I mean, they're not conclusive or anything like that. But there's enough to suggest to me. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I just sneak into the spectrum. And what that means is like, uh, you know, the world's not black and white, man. Like, oh, do you have autism? No, I've got Asperger's. Well, not even that. I've got, like, the tiniest little bit of that. Like, if I looked into the qualifications that make someone have Asperger's, then i like, nah, definitely not that, definitely not that, definitely not that. But then there's a few that are like, yes, 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 yes. And you realise that you're just barely on, this, on the spectrum. Like, I feel social anxiety like you wouldn't imagine. Um, and like I said, the loud noises thing. And, and you might say the same. Like everyone so, suffers from social anxiety. Everyone doesn't like loud noises. Um, um, but I'm sure if you did the test, you'd be like, oh, no, no, I don't suffer from that. And there's a little bit in there that was like, yeah, that's it. I, I, I'm just in there. And it, it helps explain a few things. But, of course, it doesn't excuse you from being a wanker or an idiot or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite normal, really. There's, there's not that much difference. And besides, um, you know, there's plenty of people out there who are crazy and whatnot. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, the point I'm saying is that my social anxiety was killing me, so I was just going to walk out of there, get in my car and go home. But I knew, I was feeling this pang of guilt. It's like, dude, do you want to, like, enjoy your life and, you know, do a few things? Like, improve your life, help yourself out? Mate, you've got to go back and start talking to those people. So I went in there and I spoke to uh, Brendan, I think his name was. Mate, if you saw Brendan, I'm sure you'd say, oh, yes, I've seen him in that ad or I've seen him in that. He's been around a bit. Um, and so we had a chat. Mate, he was very complimentary. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you did a good audition. Uh, it's just, you know, hearing those kind of things is so flattering. It's like, yeah, I, I do, I, I can do this. And... Um, you know, he spoke about the play and he said, yeah, yeah, you just got to stick around, you know, be around about the place. And I thought, yeah, okay, so. 
what I've got to do is, uh, you know, volunteer on the door, do all the menial tasks. And I thought, yeah, that's it. And a whole spade of hard work just has to happen. And I guess this is this is the point that I'm saying. I, I remember saying to either Ryan Ranson, I, I don't remember who I was saying it to, but I, I did say that, um, well, I guess you do have to have a bit of life experience, sure. But look, man, you're smart. I guarantee you, you're smart. If, if you just look at everything logically and, uh, and uh, look for truth, then... I guess, I, I, I think you're fine. And I, I sort of realised this a few years ago. I never fully put it into practice. But I realised that I'm hugely intelligent. I'm smart as fuck. I can do anything. And of course, we all know, look, just be logical about things. You hate your job? Yep. Well, guess what? You're a shit kicker. You're in this kind of job. That's the way it goes. If you want to get out of it, you have to do something well. That's how life works. That's how society works. Of course it does. But you have to think about that. I mean, there's no point complaining. You've got to do something. Um, and then you think, oh, well, I don't want to work hard. Well, mate, if you don't want to work hard, here's your options. You become this or you could become that with a bit of dedication. And I guess that's the biggest uh, killer on anything. It's the motivations. It's the killer. Um, and so I realised that I'm intelligent and I thought, well, okay, let's put this intelligence to, to, to work. So what do you have to do? What, what's the plan? What's, what are you going to do? I thought, okay, well, um, I need money. I can't do anything without money. Okay, well, what do you need to get money? Well, if you work menial jobs, you're not going to be able to pay for anything. I mean, taxi driver, whatever. It's, it's just not going to pay it. If you want to move to Melbourne or something like that, you're not going to live in a cool suburb. And if you did that, you'd just be ruining your quality quality of life. Okay, so what are we going to do? Well, you can study up four years and become a lawyer. Um, there's an Australian of the year called Deng Adut, who, um, who was a war soldier, a kid soldier in Africa. And he came over to Australia and... Um, you know, as an immigrant, and he made something of himself. It's an incredible story. I really encourage you to look that up. Deng Adut. Uh, D-E-N-G-A-D-U-T. Uh, it's an incredible story because it shows you from a really shit position. I mean, you're a child soldier in Africa, and now he's a high-profile lawyer in Western Sydney. Now, for someone like me, though, I mean, you're coming from a privileged background. Well, working class background. Where's the, where's the rise going to come from? Where, where do you feel like you're going to rise above it? You know, sometimes hitting rock bottom is the best thing that can happen to you because you want to rise to the top. Every now and again I get inspired, but it's not enough. And this is what I thought. I thought, okay, well, you're in nothingness. You're getting older. You're going to die alone. You're shit. Your potential, you've got potential there, but you're shit. You're an idiot. You're a loser. Working a job that pays the bills and you're nothing. I'm not very sociable, don't have many friends, haven't had a girlfriend in nine years. You're just rock bottom, mate. I mean, you do live a privileged life in a sense, but you're not enjoying it. So, what can we do to improve this? Okay. Do we become like Deng and Dud? 
and become a lawyer. Nah, I'm not interested in it. See, the thing is, motivation's a key thing. If you're doing something that you like, then sure, you can do it. But if you're not, well, then it becomes very difficult and you're most likely not going to be able to do it unless you're a really principled, disciplined person. And I'm not. And I'm smart enough to know that I'm not. So I thought, what can you do? And this is where microblading comes into it. I'm not passionate about it at all. But it does pay a lot of money. You're your own boss. Mate, it could pay. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's such an easy way to make a lot of money. I thought, okay, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be disciplined because it's not something that you really want to do. So you're just going to have to become Superman and really go for this. I want you to become like a machine. I want you to work out all the time, become the person that you've always wanted to become, and then this won't seem like a big deal. It won't be a big deal to you. So that's what I'm going to do at the end of the year, microblading. I'm going to move down to Melbourne next year, let's say. And in the meantime, this year, I'm just going to save up tons of money and I'm going to pay for that course to do microblading. And in that year, I'm going to just focus all my energies on two things, watching microblading videos and acting videos. And I'm going to make clips. I'm going to be like Joel Haver. Look up Joel Haver. He's quite good. Um, and I'm just going to post things, and I'm just going to do it for the love of it. See, this is I was saying this to Ethan <coughs> as we were driving back. Ethan is a really good guy, and he is, um, you know, he's 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 on the ball. I said this to him. I said, mate, you know, not trying to suck up, but mate, you got a good car. You'd be proud of this car. I'm not that proud of my car. I mean, he does the job, but your car, mate. That's exactly what you wanted. You've got a good girlfriend. Um, you've, you've bought a house. Um, you've got a good job and you're high up in that company and um, you're in a band. I mean, let's be honest, the band's not going to go anywhere. It might, but I'm taking a bit of a negative look on it and a more pragmatic view. Mate, the band's not going to go anywhere. Who cares? Mate, you're doing the band thing. I'd love to be up there. I said, mate be doing the Damon Albarn hand thing when you're doing it, having a good time. It's as good as it could possibly be. You're going to be all right. I too am going to be okay because I have a plan now. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to go all out on the acting and I'm going to do microblading, which will support me and I'll be able to live in Fitzroy in Melbourne and I'll have a ton of money and I will be able to do what I want. <laughs> And yet, I don't feel like that. Why not? Because I'm not passionate about doing microblading. And shit, it's going to be a lot of work. Now, these things become a hell of a lot easier once you've got into a lifestyle of discipline and I'm going to go for it sort of thing. Um, so that's, that's, that's the plan. That's, that's what I want to do. And that pretty much sums it up. But I want to keep talking. Having a good time, having a few beers while I'm drinking wine. But actually, that brings up another point. See, I'm a hedonist at heart, mate. I love drinking. I have a good time drinking. A little bit too much of a good time drinking. I drink a lot less than I used to when I was a kid, but, uh, you know, when you're at home and whatever, you can drink whenever you want, do whatever you want. Um, 
uh, Saturday night just went by and um, there's no one around to drink with. I mean, you get home from work, you're, having a, you're in a buzz. The, the sun's going down, you want to have a few drinks, watch a few videos. And I thought, I'll, I'll go up the hill, sit on the hillside and drink and look at the clouds and play music when I hop in the pool. Well, the music was played on some shitty speaker and I couldn't hear the music. It wasn't loud enough. Um, there's no one around to talk to. And I've already gone through what I've spoken about tonight like a million times over in my head. It's like, well, there's nothing really new to analyse. What's the point of going up the hill and sitting down and drinking? Like, it's like, it's just you. The other thing I spoke about when I was going, okay, so hang on. So the other thing I spoke about was uh, me sitting in the pool. That's, that's what I want to go back to. I'm not going to lie. And I'm a little bit nervous now because there's someone I like and I don't know if she likes me, but we're sort of friends now. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a bit precarious. I won't go into that too much, but suffice to say, I really think she's cool. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I said to Ethan as we were going up the hill today, I said, um, you know, it's all a matter of perspective and, and on how your outlook on life is. Like, here I am, yesterday, I was sitting in the pool, having a smoke, having a good time. Well, no, I wasn't having a good time, that's it. It looks like I was having a good time. If, if, if it was another version of me, you know, over there, looking at me in the pool, I'd say, geez, sean has got a good, he's having a smoke by the pool, having a good time. But I wasn't. I was in a completely different zone. I was feeling emptiness and loneliness. Um... And I just, I, I was not feeling it whatsoever. And I could look at this girl that I like and she's got a pool out the back and it looks really cool. And uh, I, I would look at that if she was in the pool having a good time and I'd say, yep, that's, that's what I want to do. And I was like, well, weren't you just doing that? But I wasn't feeling it. What is it? Where's the feeling come from? Where, where does the good feeling come from? This is why I understand when Jim Carrey was talking about, you know, you can make it and be a millionaire and be a success. And just feel emptiness and loneliness and a longing for a time gone by that was better. <sighs> yes. Anyway, I forgot what I was talking about. I said hopping back in the pool. Yeah, but that's what I was talking about. It's in the pool. Yeah, okay, I've forgotten. But we'll, we'll go on from that. Um, I just figured that you sort of got to let go of the past a little bit and just concentrate on, on the good times that can happen now. I mean, I've gone through so many years now, let's be honest, that, um, you know, it sort of all blurs into one and nothing means as much as, as, as what it sort of did, I guess. It's a hard thing to explain. Um, but I've really just got to forget about all that and just move on with the fun times or, 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 or you know, the, the plan. Um, my car broke down during the week and um, I had to walk home from work and I was listening to a song, a newer song that I hadn't listened to all that much and there was this vibe that just came over me. I was like, fuck, it feels like 2006 again when I, when, when Townsville was new and drinking was new and, and uh, you didn't know it was around the corner and you were having a good time. Um, and, um, you know, it was a fleeting moment, but I thought that's that's kind of what I want to feel again. That's what I want to get back to. New times. The problem is with getting older is you get a little bit more normal. 
I mean, you don't go, I mean, I don't go into town anymore. Um, you know, town is really just loud and you pay too much to get in and the drinks are expensive and you're never going to pick up with anyone. So you sort of just, that's one aspect of life that's locked out, unfortunately. I'd like to do it again, but I feel like, uh, eh, I kind of feel past it. I went over to this girl house that I like recently and I, I haven't revealed how old I am, but, um, her brother said to me, how old are you, man? I was like, oh, no, don't ask me that. I said that I took a certain something back in 2013. He said, how old are you? I was like, oh, shit, don't ask me that. I mean, it's not that I'm that old. It's just, you know, a little bit older than you guys. Actually, you get a little bit more conscious about it. It's funny, that It's like uh, my view on old people hasn't changed a bit. I still see middle-aged people as boring and... Well, not boring, but just old ideas. I mean, I can't... There's a guy at work, Rolf, and... Uh, mate, listen to him when he talks about this and that. You think, jeez, what an old-fashioned view. And I think, well, mate... Well, I'm not... I'm a lot younger than him, let's be honest, but... You know... <coughs> no. I'm not that young. <coughs> So, um, anyway, after he said that, I was like, yeah, you, you get a little bit older. And, uh, well, it's time to start thinking about uh, what you really want to do. Anyway, I've forgotten what I'm talking about. Just having a good time. I'm going to stop this and then start it again. This is going to be a long podcast. Yeah, so, uh, after that little break. Um, uh, yeah, so I've forgotten what I'm talking about completely now. Um... Yeah, well, you get the gist. Uh, yeah, so moving on. Um, yeah, so I actually removed the last episode of uh, Series 1 because, um, well, mate, turns out to be a bit premature. So what happened was uh, I went up to someone in produce and said... Uh, think she loves her boyfriend and he said something that was a little bit negative and I was like oh you know what I, I, I think I'm I think I'm done I think I might just leave this I like her but um I don't know I think I feel like this is probably a good ending point let's just get on with life now I think I'm over this so my last uh episode in series one was talking about oh she's got a boyfriend and um yeah I was gutted by that and I'd confirmed that I, I spoke to her a little bit more, but then I confirmed, nah, she's got a boyfriend. So, oh, yeah, right, let's, let's move on with life. I was really gutted, and that's what that, that episode was focused on. It was only eight minutes, but, you know, it's pretty bad. Anyway, um, but what happened was, after I sort of gave up, but the thing is, it can't help it. When you like someone, you just want to keep talking to them. So even though I'd given up, I, I kept on I kept on talking. I couldn't help it. So I went up to her and I uh, said, uh, so um, you're going to get, uh, so what, what's your plan? So you're going to get blind? And she said, uh, no, I'm not, uh, not really that big of a drinker. Are you interested? Do you want to come over tonight? We've got a couple of people coming over and uh, we'll hop in the pool and have a good time. <laughs> I was going to have a good time. She didn't say that. I just like adding that in. Um, I was, oh my god! So I did go over there, and it was quite good. Um, you know, nothing, nothing 
that, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, stealing the deal. But, uh, you know, I never really thought of it like, <laughs> never really thought of it like that. You know, just it'd be an explosion story to say. But, no, we just went as standard and uh, I got to know her better. And uh, it was quite good. And we had a good time. Oh, we had a good time. Um, so that happened. And I remember I was like, um, you know, eating dinner. I was like, oh, God, all I want to do is just, like, cuddle you right now. <laughs> oh, God, better not do that, though. <laughs> so, um, oh, you know, it's just amazing how it all works out. But the thing is, I, you know, I was playing songs, like, a few weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago, um, you know, playing songs, getting all, you know, lovey-dovey. And, you know, as soon as I thought she had a boyfriend, I was like, oh, it all collapsed. Um but since she's asked me to her house, I've been so much more pragmatic. This hasn't been me, like, falling into, uh, you know, the, the same spiral. Oh, I love her. It's been much more pragmatic. It's been like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is still most likely not going to work out. I mean, everything. If you look at everything individually, everything's unlikely to happen sort of thing. Um, all we can do is just be our best person and go further from there. So this kind of gets back to what I was talking to Ethan about uh, going up on the hill. I had to be pragmatic and I thought, you know what, I like her, but, you know, that will come into your life, that will be part of your life if you become the best person that you can be. And either she'll like you or she won't. And it's as simple as that. You can't, you know, base your whole life around this. So, um, you know, I, I won't say what happened during the week, but it was, it was good. Things are going fine, quite friendly. We're just in that precarious position where, oh, what's going to happen? Um, I'm, I'm taking more the attitude that she's just seeing is a friendship, which, let's be honest, mate, I'm, I'm from a slightly, I'd say, I might say a slightly different era, but it's not really even that. It's just, I'm just an idiot. Um, you know, guys can be friends with girls. It's just that I'm such a loser that I, that rarely happens with me. If any girl shows any interest in me, I'm like, oh, do they like me? You know, that kind of stuff. So maybe it's just that. And it could be. And if it is, so be it. I mean, it'll be a bit hurtful, but I've really got to take the attitude. I mean, I don't believe in anything anymore. I don't f believe in fate or anything great, great deal like that. So, um, it's, um... You know, it is what it is, and um, you just got to get on with things and concentrate on your life. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, during that depressed time in the pool yesterday, I was having a smoke by the pool, having a good time. No, I wasn't having a good time. I was just feeling emptiness and loneliness. I thought, you know, if she was sitting on that table, well, hang on, if she was sitting over there, it'd be great. I'd be loving my life, but you know. That feeling would dissipate. I mean, even lottery winners, they, they lose it after a little while. Like they, their, their happiness returns to normal after a certain amount of time. Uh, you've got to focus on the things that... You, you're the central figure. It's as simple as that. Um, you've got to be the best person that you can be. Um, so I thought, well, if she was there, then would it really change who you are? I mean, you'd still be in here thinking about what you're going to do in your life. And I thought, well, that's got to be number one. Number one priority and everything else will follow with that. I mean, I hate to sound, you know, nasty or anything, 
but relationships are secondary. So, that new information. And this is what I'm talking about with Paul Keating and the arts. I mean, when you really think about things, you know, so many brilliant revelations come to you. Epiphanies come to you. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm slowly starting to feel it. That, uh, yeah, um, life's about to take off. That's quite good. Quite good. All quite, quite proud. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. And so, concludes my story. And yet, I'm drinking, so I kind of want to keep on talking. <laughs> i got to learn when to wrap it up. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. Um, like I said ages ago now, Ethan sh- was, um, we were talking about truths and whatever. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of videos that he that he sent me. I'm very keen on uh, this upcoming election just to see where everyone sits. I mean, the way I see it, if Scott Morrison wins, it's sort of like a, a victory for the uh, Philistines. Um, but with that said, um, Labor, with Anthony Albanese, like there's a certain rhetoric that's always been followed uh, throughout all elections going back to World War II. Um, and you could look at the Prime Minister in waiting and you'd say, oh, well, of course he was going to win that one, or that's the reason why that happens Like, I mean, yes, it is an, a hindsight thing, but there's just something about Anthony Albanese that uh, he reminds me of Kim Beasley. But then again, I could have said that about John Howard. I would have thought John Howard was going to be shit, but then you realise that he'd been around for a while and that's how these things sometimes go. So, what's it going to be? We shall see. It'll be a few months and I'll do a podcast in between now and then. But anyway, that's, uh, that's how I feel. And uh, hopefully next time I'll be able to talk to you a little bit more about uh, some of the things I think and that I believe. In fact, hell, I might do a second podcast now next talking about the people that I went with with high school. In fact, that's what I'll do. That's a good idea. I'll have a good time. How many smokes have I got left? <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> See, this is what I was saying about before. Um, yeah, I remember what I was talking about now from about half an hour ago. Uh, I I'm a hedonist. I have a I, I have too much of a good time. I enjoy a drink, and uh, ultimately, what happens is you stay out all night and you get really drunk, and uh, yeah, that that you you, you sort of. I don't know when to stop. I want to keep going now. I'd, I'd drink all night. I've got work tomorrow. Um, yeah, maybe I'll do that thing tomorrow. Yeah, do it tomorrow. So, I wonder if Jane's been listening to this. Yeah, I haven't been talking about anything too controversial, I guess. So there you have it. Um, I've been Sean Keenan. You've been listening to the Late Night Logic Podcast, Episode 1 of Season 2. Hope to see you again in the near future.